Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Breaking Down the Doors. Joe Rexford and Adam Sparks here at the Tennessean Studios. Busy time in Nashville. Adam, and there's a very good Vanderbilt baseball team. We will get to them later. But we're going to start this episode on Bryce Drew. Maybe we'll talk a little bit of Jerry Stackhouse, too, since he's actually the Vanderbilt coach. Sure. But Bryce Drew spoke, and we have some reaction to it. I'm going to let you uh, run with that. So go ahead and lay it out for us. Yeah, Pete Thamel, a really good really good writer, really well-known writer for Yahoo Sports, had to sit down with Bryce, uh, I think it was maybe last week, and he put out a basically the first time Bryce Drew has spoken about his firing publicly. Now, full disclosure, I swapped a few texts with Bryce, just a good luck to you, hey, thanks for fair coverage, that sort of thing that you sometimes get from the better coaches that get fired. You don't get them from all of them, but Bryce is a really good guy. So full disclosure there. But in the story, I I thought it was – I thought there was a fair place to have reasonable criticism, critique, and maybe a little context of what Bryce said in the story. So I jotted down a few things that I thought were worthy to talk about about his dismissal from his take, and I've got a different take on a few others. Number one is early in the story, in Pete Thamel's Yahoo Sports story, Bryce talks about the fact, and I'd heard this from back channels also, that uh, Malcolm Turner, the AD, did not really have meetings. The way the story put it, the, the first formal meeting that he ever had with his AD was when he got fired. You know, I think you can there's some semantics in there. It sounds like a semantics deal. I mean, they definitely talk to each other. Yeah, they t- well, no, no, number one, Malcolm Turner's first day on the job is February 1st. I spent some time with him that day, followed him around. I physically was in the gym when Malcolm Turner spoke to the staff and to Bryce Drew. It wasn't for a long time, but he was he was there when they had, had to shoot around, that sort of thing. I don't know if he really went to many practices. I don't think he did, but... He was on the job for about five or six weeks when he fired Bryce Drew. I had heard, well, he didn't go on road trips. There were only like four road trips that occurred in the month and a half that he was AD. And the and also, by the way, after home games, everybody in the media observed Malcolm Turner and Bryce Drew speaking for a long time after games. No formal means they weren't in his office, but yeah. they were talking. Now, some of those things are like, I guess they sort of highlight how quickly in the lifespan of his job, Malcolm Turner made this move. Like you can certainly say, man, that's why one of the reasons I thought it wouldn't happen because he just hasn't been around long. But I mean, yeah, to, to characterize this as Malcolm Turner just sort of showed up and then gave paid no mind until he fired him. I don't know if it was quite saying that, but it was a little bit of a feeling of that. Yeah, I know. I I heard, I heard concerns, uh, kind of in the background of they never got to talk about basketball and Bryce's philosophy about how he went to some obstacles that he had, that sort of thing. Well, my perspective of that is, um, you know, if you're a restaurant critic, if you're a food critic, you go to a restaurant, you eat the food, it's good or it's bad. You don't, well, let me go see how the guy prepped this food. Let me see the ingredients and I want to see the chef make it. You know, you just—it's good or bad. You go to games, you see the finished product, and it was historically bad. I don't think going and watching a certain number of practices would change the perspective of that. In fact, I think it could have hurt Bryce to some extent because that team got along great. There wasn't any friction on that team that I ever observed, and there should be. 
a team that loses 20 in a row, there should be some friction. There should be some frustrated guys. Instead, I think if you went to practice, you would see guys that were, you know, in good spirits and we're going to turn this thing around. And I think that would have been maybe a, a little bit of an, an alarm to an AD if he observed that. So I don't, I think the, the idea of, well, he, he didn't come and meet with us a whole lot. I don't think that really holds water. For yeah. One. Well, look, I mean, I, I do think that, I mean, if you're going to make a decision, a big decision, you want as much information as possible. So, you know, if you're going to things, if you're having conversations, observing whatever you can observe, I think there's value in that. But yeah, I, the, like you said, I mean, ultimately, you know, the, the, the ultimate judgment is made on game day. And um, so I just, I don't buy that this was just completely kind of a blind off the cuff move. Another one in the story, Darius Garland, and that was discussed a lot. That that's something I think a lot of coaches lean on. I mean, other other coaches in best way lost his, his best player, which is a very reasonable argument for why the season went south. Going twenty games south, uh, twenty game losing streak is different than well, we finished four and fourteen in the conference, something like that. There's just a big difference between those two. The Darius, the loss of Darius Garland was referenced a lot of times in the Yahoo story. Thamel actually started it off with that. You heard other coaches mention that. Uh, Bryce had mentioned that on down the stretch. I wanted to add a little context to that. Um, if you back up, I think it was in January uh, before Malcolm Turner was even on the job. I had pulled Bryce aside at Rupp Arena after the Kentucky game. Now, Vandy was either leading or pretty close at halftime. Played real well in the first half. Was terrible in the second half. Lost that game. The Kentucky media, which is a huge, huge group of guys uh, and ladies, huge group of reporters, asked Bryce a couple of questions at the end of the press conference about Darius Garland and losing him. And at that point, it had been like a month and a half since Garland had suffered a season-ending injury. And Bryce kind of gave the answer of, you know, well, I mean, we have to acknowledge it. It's why we're. It's a big reason why we're we're losing right now because we lost our best player. I thought maybe he didn't get enough of a chance to answer that. So after that, I pulled Bryce aside on the record, and uh, I and I had a couple stories that week after that, and and I said, you know, you're going to get these questions everywhere you go about losing Darius Garland. Even that's an old, but that's an old story to this program that's passed. Is that, how do you really want to approach that when you get these questions? And my thinking as a beat writer, and you were a beat writer for a long time, Joe, is that you try to give a platform for a coach to maybe expound a little bit on things. And my thinking is this is where this coach is going to say, we've got to move past this. You know, I'm going to get asked about it, but I'm going to start answering it this way. He's injured. He's gone. We love Darius, but we're not going to win or lose based on a guy that's not here. We've got to move forward. And so I thought that would be the answer, and I asked him in about three different ways, and it wasn't. It was the opposite. The answer to every question was, well, we need to acknowledge it because we're losing right now because we're without our best player. There was an obvious opportunity there for him to answer that in a different way, and he didn't. And a lot of what I heard after that was Bryce thinking that media members wanted him to use that as a crutch and that fans would understand that. I, I, I think all that told you was this was an inexperienced coach at this level. There's a naivete a little bit in that. Uh, Bryce is a great guy, he, but his experience as a head coach was at Valparaiso, 
and not at a Power Five, not in the SEC. And I think he was a little slow to adjust the storylines and to and to speak what his program wanted to be. He was he was massaged in certain ways that I that I thought he would he he will learn from and do better of in the future. Yeah, well, and we we've talked about that before. And at some point, I don't remember exactly when it was. I was like, ah, oh, it's it's you, it's got to stop. For one thing, because it does come off as excuse making, but for another, because you mentioned inexperience. Experienced good coaches at times use us to talk sure. to their players. And what Bryce was saying to his players was, it's okay. We have an excuse. Yeah. Everything's fine. You know, they, they, we can't be expected to X, Y, and Z. And that's just, I mean, look, it played out that way. So, yeah, it was a lot of this season, I think, will be, will be good lessons for him. And, you know, a lot of coaches are going to have, when they get fired, have an interview like this and talk to someone and kind of tell their side of it. But I think, you know, there may be some ADs who read this and say, man, you know, he's really kind of making excuses and passing the buck on other people. I don't know that this necessarily helps Bryce Drew. Well, and you know, even in the story, he tells Pete Thamel that when the night that Darius was injured, I set up a memorial gym by myself and just sat in silence for like an hour. That's understandable. He was the best player, one of the best players that ever come through here. It was a huge loss. There was a personal relationship there. I completely understand that. And Pete Thamel, as we will do, want to add color to the story, and that's a good way of doing it. But I think that scene of him being in mourning for that loss, of that for that injury, was transferred to his players. And his players felt that and referenced it the rest of the season. And you've got to move past it. I do think Bryce Drew may be successful as a coach moving forward. I think if he is, he will look back at his experience at Vanderbilt and say, I learned how to present my message to the media, to the players, how to adjust in the season uh, by what I failed at at Vanderbilt. I hope he does that because I like the guy. I do think there's a lot of lessons to be learned in that. Another thing that Thamel brought up in his story was that Bryce came in with an 18-page plan. Uh, of what he was going to fix. Now I, he's got to put that on PDF, tweet it out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he's on Twitter now. He got on Twitter yeah, the day he was on, fired. We'll, we'll all read it. You know, I, 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 I don't. I never obviously saw it. I heard some of the stuff that that was likely in it. Um, and this speaks to again, I think, the naivete of where where he was coming from. A lot of the stuff that we heard publicly after his last loss in the SEC tournament, but. Also, I've heard some privately was it was small changes. It was, well, we're going to have this player go to his left more. Uh, We're going to have this guy work on his jump shot. Uh, You know, this guy's got to get his hands up defensively, and we're going to do a few things in recruiting. It was minor tweaks of a team that that had just gone through a five-game losing streak, not a 20-game losing streak. I, I don't know that Bryce ever saw it as... I need to fire so-and-so on my staff. I need to wipe out my staff. I need to make enormous changes. And I I think the administration, Malcolm Turner specifically, since that late in the game that Bryce didn't know how bad it was or had not recognized that. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, you know, he did say after the season-ending loss in Bridgestone Arena, he, he did say, he sort of hinted at, I guess, kind of like, okay, the recruiting. You talked about recruiting, you know, kind of change that. The idea of, I guess, you know, not going after one and dones, although I don't think any coach should ever pigeonhole themselves either way on that because sometimes, I mean, you just have a perfect fit like a Darius Garland. You're not going to recruit that kid just because he's quote unquote a one and done. But 
But that was one that I guess you could look at as major. But yeah, I mean, if it's all stuff like that, what does that do for you next year? You know, what what are you gonna are you gonna get yourself to, you know, four wins in the SEC? Yeah, and, I don't know if there's there's an answer either. I don't know what you type up that says you're gonna make a big turnaround, but you had to make a big turnaround next. And, year. and I think he didn't recognize as bad as it was publicly that people wanted to hear. Uh, I'll say it this: if you look at in the context of Vanderbilt, I thought early on, and it was my mistake doing so. I thought Derek Mason and Bryce True had some similarities in guys that were moving up. Uh, in, in college athletics, had he was a first-time Power Five coach. Derek Mason was a first-time head coach overall, and they had to go through a lot of bumps in the road to figure out how this works in terms of media, fans, staff, those sort of things. And I was wrong about that because of this. Bryce Drew, I don't think saw the failure as much as he should have, and I don't think he was willing to adjust a lot. Derek Mason, if you go back, he had a blunder of a year his first year. It was a little better a second, but he just fired his, I'm firing my OC, I'm firing my DC, I'm firing this guy, I'm going to change him recruiting. He made drastic changes, and I think Bryce was not willing or didn't recognize that he needed to do that. Now, I'll say on his staff, I I don't think his three assistant coaches were bad. I think I think the thing is is now one of them landed in Gonzaga, one went to Ohio State, uh, the other one is now a, a high school coach in town, uh, Casey Hall, um, I, uh, Casey Shaw. I don't think any of those three guys were bad coaches, but put together, I think Bryce was done a disservice early on that he did not bring in a guy with Power Five experience. I agree. Well, I, that's one of those things where his dad probably should have advised him on that too, right? Yeah. I just. I think yeah, you you want to have a more a one at least more seasoned guy. Um, you mentioned that real quick the comparison Bryce Drew and Derek Mason. You know, a big difference between them to me is if you watch Derek Mason coach his team, he gets after his team. Yeah, he gets after guys. So yes, I think he's certainly it's been a learning curve publicly and all that stuff, but he gets people to play for him and he gets a lot out of me pushes him and that's where i think brace you has to improve yeah or get some assistance also that will do that yeah but I, yeah uh, for sure but, but i think he's got to adjust his approach a little bit too there was another thing in the story about the red shirt thing to me was actually i thought that was the most objectionable thing the idea oh yeah educa obina that that him like they decided to sit him because you know and they would have won more games and they were thinking of the future if if he would have made a difference of course they're going to play him this year. Yeah, well, and th- this is the – and Pete Thamel doesn't know Educa Obina. He just – Bryce is telling him who the guy is. He's 6'10 guy and this sort of thing. This is my biggest criticism of the difference between national media and local media or fans is that national media uh, – and you saw it some on Twitter when Bryce got fired – sees the 20-game losing streak as one thing. It was one bad thing as opposed to local media or fans look at that and say there were 20 individual bad well, things. Of course, of and course. it got worse each game, not better. And I think that's why the perspective is different. Where the, I don't know if he should have been fired or not. I don't know if Jerry Stackhouse will be a success. But I can understand why he got fired because it was 20 terrible games uh, where a national media members say, oh, he just, you know, he had a bad bad two months yeah well and look and like i mean i've known pete for a long time he's fantastic does a great job but that is that's always the fair criticism i mean national media cannot cover any team better than local media cover that team right it's just a different perspective right it's just it's just a different perspective of of you seeing a thousand things when some when a local media member is looking at one thing or three things exactly so hopefully bryce drew improves to wrap up here 
Vanderbilt baseball. Got uh, some serious power numbers going on. A good series last time out. Where, where do you think this team is right now? Well, J.J. Blade, as we do this, is uh, tied for the national lead in home runs. 20, he's hit 14 in the last 17 games. Best. That's, best, that's a number. That's a run. Um, th- this team is, uh, I, every time I mention baseball on this podcast, I've, I've said it, this is maybe the most talented, pretty close to one of the most talented Tim Corbin has had. Um, the pitching staff right now, Patrick Raby is still on the weekend. I'll be interested to see if Mason Hickman, takes a spot and Raby was real good last uh, this last weekend against Alabama if he keeps that up he'll stay on the weekend Mason Hickman's your number four guy but he's a number four guy that's a number two in a lot of the staffs I think they'll keep the pitching staff the way it is just for continuity but that's going to pay dividends when they get to the postseason because you've got at least four really good starting pitchers and could have a fifth depending on who they use out of the bullpen so so far, so good. Uh, they've overcome some injuries because they have depth. They've overcome uh, a few lulls in the season because they have depth and talent. And uh, this is this is as good as I think they could be. They're a national seed right now. They're like two in RPI. And so they're in line to host a super regional if they keep this up. There you go. Before we wrap it up, a shout out to Cutler Klein. One of ah. our favorite young students graduating from Vanderbilt has done a great job with the Vanderbilt Hustler and has been all over at Vanderbilt games. I've seen him at Predators games, at uh, you know Nashville SC games. He's a, a very uh, industrious young person. So Cutler, congratulations, and he'll do well in whatever. I, I'm convinced. To do. I'm convinced he's named after Jay Cutler. He denies it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to ask his parents sometime. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back soon on Breaking Down the Doors.